0: Actually, I'm going to get us to do that again as our worship to start our worship this morning, as an as an offering of thanksgiving and praise. Uh, to use our hands, use our voices to celebrate the Lord, to give Him all the honor and glory, not just for last weekend, but for His kindness and His faithfulness and His mercy and His goodness, just so extravagantly poured out in our lives through the gift of His Son Jesus. Thank you, Father, that You sent Jesus. We're so sorry, Lord Jesus, where we sin against you and we sin against one another. Please, would you forgive us now? Would you wash us clean by your precious spilt blood poured out 2,000 years ago on the cross? We receive your forgiveness and your cleansing touch afresh this morning. we thank you, Father, that three days after your son gave his life as a ransom for the world, that he rose from the dead, that he rose from the grave, that he rose and became the firstborn of all creation, that as he rose from the dead, eternal life was being established on the earth. And thank you that, that gift of eternal life is offered to all who would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, all who would put their faith and their whole lives in him. And we just want to thank and praise you, Jesus, that all things, even death itself, are under your feet. That all powers in the world are under your feet. That you are the glorious one, reigning on high at the right hand of the Father. And we just give you all our worship this morning. We give you all our praise this morning. We give you our lives this morning as an offering to you. We say there's none like you in heaven and on earth. And would your name be exalted in our lives afresh this morning. Would your throne be built on our praises this morning? And would you be high and lifted up in our lives and in this church and in these communities? And may you receive all the honour, all the glory, and we pray all these things in your name. And let's use our hands to just celebrate Jesus, to celebrate the Lord. Thank you, Father, that in death, in life, we're covered by the power of your great love, displayed and poured out in the death of Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, to to reunite and reconcile us to you, Father. And we just cannot find words to thank you enough for the covering that we have because of Jesus. For the unbroken, unfailing love that you have for us, Father. Thank you that God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that what we taste now is the palest reflection of gazing into your wonders and your beauty for all eternity, Father. And we just give you all the honour and all the praise. All the honor and all the praise goes to you. We could not live without you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your life that you pour into our hearts, which is treasure in these jars of clay. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father, for never giving up on us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'd love to just capture three or four stories in just a moment of God's goodness from last weekend. Um, I'd love to just capture those uh, just for a moment. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to exchange the fellowship in the spirit that we share because of the blood of Jesus. That has established peace with God and a brand new family on earth. Those who are being knitted together in the bonds of his blood names written in the book of life forever and ever and ever ashington at 11 may the peace of the lord be always with you please make sure no one's left out make a new friend and exchange god's peace what what do you want to um share uh about what the lord's done
1: um i've been a christian for 30 odd years and i've known jesus and i've known the holy spirit for all that time but i 've never really known the father 's love, and um, over the weekend, I was able to pray with a special mate and uh, I was able to forgive my dad for never um, um, ever having told me that he loved me and um, And I had to apologize to him, bearing in mind he 's been gone for thirty five years. I was able to tell him that I loved him, and I met with my other dad. (laughs) That's wonderful.
0: Thank you, thank you. you. That's so good, so good. Wow, that's amazing, thank you Jesus. Uh,
1: Thank you Mike.
0: (laughs) Can you you just pray, um, just for all of us, I think we all wanna step into more and more
1: of Father's love, just turn that into a prayer for us. Oh Father. Uh, I've put blocks in my life um, between me and you because I'd never really felt that I knew a father's love before. Lord, I just want to bless you and thank you that uh, I now know that you do love me and that you are special and that I am special in your eyes mm. and I'm your favourite and I love you, Lord. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> love it.
0: That's the problem. You get hit by the Father's love. It's just like I'm just so happy and blessed. He was meant to be praying for you lot, but hopefully you caught you caught something. <laughs> Is that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Just let's just thank you, Father, and we just all receive from the power of that testimony. Hi, what's your name? Michelle. What do you want to share?
2: Um, just every meeting was brilliant. Um, just reminded again. Uh, sometimes we, the devil takes it away, but um, on the Saturday, just really had so much um, anxiety for my children, and shared it with a few lovely women, um, just throughout the day, just pouring my heart out, but just um, just ex- that wonderful exchange of anxiety to God, and with it comes peace, um, and just knowing that God has everything in his hands that if we hold on to things, he can't move. Um, and just been reminded of that again today. So, yeah, it's really great. So but such a good time. Thank you. Yeah. Really good. Bless you. Thank
0: you. Yeah, so good. Father, as we sit here this morning, any anxieties on our hearts, we just right now in our hearts, place them in your hands. Jesus, our Prince of Peace. And thank you that you give back to us Uh, such a rest and a peace in you and father i just speak over any of our children or grandchildren or dear ones in our lives far from you or just undergoing whatever you're the best dad in the world and we just say bring them home and let it be quick in jesus name amen hi leslie-ann good morning
2: um, I was um, just on Sunday morning, I was just praying for someone. And as I was praying, it just felt like a whole wave of God's love just came upon me. And it, it, it was just just so beautiful. And I, I haven't experienced anything like that before. And it was particularly relevant for me because I felt um, that I'd allowed fear to kind of creep in and actually get quite a hold on me. So although I knew in my head that perfect love costs out fear it just it just needed god to break through and just really um, release me from that fear so i'm so thankful that he did that on sunday morning
0: praise the lord can you just release god's love for any fear in this place
2: Lord, you are just so beautiful, and your love just pours out for each one of us. And I pray now that you release it in power among these people, Lord. Come and touch anyone who is fearful, anyone who has anxieties, or anything that would just rob them of knowing the goodness of your love. Right now, Lord Jesus. Amen.
0: Isn't that amazing? Let's just use our hands to just turn that into worship to the Lord. Thank you, Father. Isn't it amazing? You don't just hang out in a field in the middle of nowhere, uh, but actually being with God, just the release of his love. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Father. Um, we just want to say thank you really briefly. Um, we just went on from our conference straight to New Wine Island. And um just the lord is doing the same stuff with us that we were just privileged to be a part of him unfolding there you know a few years ago we really focused on the father but if you'd noticed we've been focusing a lot on jesus and just his beauty and his majesty and and we just spent five mornings talking about jesus uh, to this conference and you know he, it's really a miracle anything anything that God does is really a miracle isn't it because you put your words out but actually it's the presence of the Holy Spirit that melts hearts and turns people around and um, it was amazing because we took a bunch of the youngsters with us so Livy and Eva who are 11 and 15 we we're all in the adults then there was Eloise who's 19 Poppy who's 19 Eloise is 20 Poppy who's 19 Finn and Sam 19 and 17. Ola Shabanaki, she's, um, how old's Ola Shabanaki? Um, She's 21, sorry Ola Shaki. (laughs) Um, Or, I mean, just, um, anyway, I'm not going to get distracted. Um, And Holly, who was there. And um, there was just a bunch of deliverance going on, lots of healing going on. Um, the guys, I think, on morning one, praying for lots of adults, were a bit like, ah, but just God came, He did the stuff. Um, you know, one, one guy, um, he basically had a load of pain going on in his life. Uh, he'd been hitting drugs and alcohol pretty hard, came back to Jesus, gave his life. It's just all that stuff. When heaven's around, it was awesome. So we just want to give God all the glory. And we gave it to them pretty hard. It was like Jesus is the only way or not at all. And I tell you what, the Irish people are hungry for the Lord. It's exciting. They're not getting confused by all the stuff the church in this country seems to be confused with. They were hungry and passionate for the Lord. So we've made a whole bunch of new friends and brothers and sisters. So I'm just thinking, should we all go next year? Let's just all go Let's go as a whole church and, oh, let's have them all here. Should we have some Irish here? That'd be really fun. So um, anyway, it was really fun. Uh, one of the speakers from Dublin, incredible. I'd love to get him here. He's one of 14. We only caught a third of his sermon because he had such a thick Southern Irish accent. Um, he's buried three of his brothers through heroin addiction. And he's working in the toughest communities in Dublin just getting people free and his church started just opening up his home welcoming people welcoming people so it was just it was powerful so lord to you be the glory but do you know what we touched down at silly o'clock last night or when was it friday night saturday morning and do you know i just thought lord it's so good to be back with all the challenges going on in our nation there's not been a more exciting time to be a follower of jesus Though thick darkness may be increasing, the glory on the church is increasing, and the best is yet to come. So here we go. So we're going to have our Bible reading, and then the the homework I set Paddy was actually, if he wanted to, to duck out of our Luke series, but just to share with us what he sensed the Lord was saying to us as a church, off the back of the conference last weekend, just to embed that and build upon it. Uh, so Paddy's going to come and speak in just a few moments. Kate Dean.
3: Um, before I say the reading, there's something that I thought. Oh, I think I maybe should share that. It's only a word I've learnt. I thought, no, you're here to do the reading. But then James was saying, we don't know how to thank you enough. So I thought, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, because I was like, if you want me to say that, let me know. And that was Mike key so I've been in Denmark staying with my cousin for the week and uh, it's a really difficult language I said I only know tack he said yes that's thank you and then he said um, he said more formally is tak," meaning many thanks he said but he said this sounds strange but lots of people say this one it's a thousand thanks and it's tak. and I love the sound of it and when I was driving home from Stansted on Friday I, I always pray in tongues when I'm on or well, any journey, but especially a large journey. And I was praying in tongues, but then in came Tusentak, Tusentak. Well, I didn't take my hand off the wheel, but I was, I was crying. It found it so moving. So, I'm doing this. I really am trusting God that in some way, learning another word for thank you in another language is Tusentak. Um, it, there's such something about it, and it's really grabbed me. So I'm I'm sharing it with you, and, and because you said we don't know enough words, now we know one more how to thank how to thank God. Okay. Okay. okay, So um, James has just asked me, would we do this? So can we all stand up? Yes. I need my right hand because I like to. <laughs> so we're, it's, it, it's the word is tusentak, and we're going to say it. Three times together, thanking God. Ready? Tusentak! 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 Oh, Lord! (laughs) So it's not just me, is it? There's something about that sound, isn't there? And if you don't pray in tongues, it's a brilliant way of doing something that's not your language. If you want to know the spelling, it's T O U -S S I N. T-A-K, but Lord, we praise you, and to St. Tack to you, Lord. This is the reading for this morning. It's, it's Luke 7, um, 36 to 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment, she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what this kind of, what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I've something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owned 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon. Hence she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord.
4: As James said, he he described my homework. So um, I apologize to the more theologically conservative inclined amongst us who wanted a 45 minute biblical exegesis of this rich passage there will be a bit of that but also reflecting on what is God saying to us and I think put it most simply and um, you can switch off in 10 seconds if there's nothing nothing more you hear than this but amidst all of our our testimonies amidst all of our, our thanksgivings about what God is doing in our midst, what God was doing last week, what has been consistent with this like, trajectory of his movement and activity amongst us, my encouragement, my sense, is purely that there is so much more ahead of us. More. More true life to discover in God. More of God. Also, I think God is releasing specifically... I would use the phrase of, of a humble hunger amongst us and also a godly greediness. Mm. Maybe I like it because it says alliteration as well and somewhat paradoxical. A humble hunger, a godly greediness amongst us, maybe by way of a, a cautionary tale. Um, recently, for some reason, God kind of highlighted this, this story that occurs through the Old Testament with God leading Israel into the Promised Land, and you find it starting in Numbers 32, where biblical um, editors, they will describe it as the Transjordan tribes, which is essentially two and a half tribes of, of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, when they were traveling through the wilderness on the precipice of the Promised Land, a bunch of them kind of got together and came to Moses, and they said, actually, you know what, like, we've seen enough. Because they didn't want to, to go any further, because actually, what they'd seen amongst them, they were like, you know what, this is, this is good enough. This land that, that you have, have given to us, people whose, the, the victory, whose, your hand has given to us, God, like, this place is good and suitable for all our animals and our herds. And eventually, we'll also build cities for our, our wives and children. They didn't want the promised inheritance that God had had constantly been reminding them that He was leading them towards. And rather, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, they said, actually, you know what? This is enough. I think it highlights our our human propensity to, to rest in our comfort and our familiarity, not to risk not to, to trust the one leading us, but rather say, actually, you know what, this is enough. And my encouragement is this, is don't be like Reuben Manasseh. Don't settle for what we've experienced here, because I think God is, is saying to us, there is more. Have a hunger, have a, a godly-shaped greediness to seek after more of his promises. Does that sound all right? And so if there is so much more ahead of us, if there is more of God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, what are we going to do about it? Because this our annual conference isn't enough. 48 hours in a field, as incredible, life-changing as it is, isn't enough to see more of God. Again, I'm going to plagiarize somewhat and reiterate quotes from from last weekend. One line that Josh said was, on the Saturday evening was, the more of God is conditional on the people. It is our willingness to long for more of God. It is our willingness to linger in his presence and do something about it. I think hopefully it's, it's not just me, but last weekend it was deeply affirming and encouraging for a variety of reasons. Like affirm this, this deep hunger within me for God to pour out more amongst us. And I think every occasion we gathered together, I was, I was encouraged because I wasn't the only one. Unless I was fooled, that's okay. It was also affirming just that amongst us, there is this sense that we don't want to accept the world as it has become. We're not going to settle for how things are here and now, but actually we believe that there is more in store. There is a better world ahead for our kids, for the next generation. I always come back to this quote, I can't remember who said it. but It said, there are those that look at things the way they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were, and ask, why not? Brothers and sisters, let's continue to be a community that asks that question, why not? Why not here, in rural West Sussex, in a backwater cluster of villages, why not? Let's be filled with with godly greediness, who hunger and thirst for His righteousness more and more. Does that sound all right? I think kind of intertwining this, the reading we had from Luke 7, I would say this, this narrative is both the gospel, but it also reveals the gospel. How this message of good news is being proclaimed to, to the poor and to the disadvantaged and bringing them redemption. It's about those who, who were far from God are now brought near. When they come near, they experience the radiance of God's glory. They experience His beauty, His holiness, His His compassion, and His life in all of its abundance, and they too realize that there is so much more. This is the good news. Within our reading, we're reminded how the central character is this woman. I like the way a lot of commentators would say, her story is undeveloped yet vital. Like We don't even know her name or her vocation. People like to speculate, and we just assume, oh yeah, she was a prostitute. We don't know that. And I think Luke intentionally omits that detail. Because actually what Luke wants to highlight as he's telling this account is merely the fact that she is known to be sinful. She is known to have missed the mark with her life. She is known to be far from God and also far from the community of God's people. And it is this woman, this woman who is known to be sinful, known to be far from God, who encounters God. She encounters the Father's love. She encounters the redemptive work of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in her life. She receives mercy, finds salvation, experiences liberation from all that has oppressed her. I would say this is just one example of the more that we want to see, the more of God's promises manifest amongst us. This narrative, it puts front and center not only God's outrageous work, but also the outrageous adoration of this sinful woman. So rather than being something merely descriptive, I would suggest that actually Luke portraying this scene he's portraying this response to the gospel as an appropriate and also prescriptive response. Does that make sense? Rather than just describing what happened, I think he's also saying, actually, this is what we should be doing. It's appropriate. Because as you read this passage, you realize that Luke, as the narrator, he emphasizes a number of things. In the first couple of verses, he emphasizes the fact that Simon is a Pharisee. You might say there's a bit of like ironic humor in this. The Pharisees are one of the people group who have been indicting Jesus of eating and fraternizing with sinners. And then it's Simon the Pharisee who is the one that invites Jesus to eat and drink with him. Kind of highlighting the fact that actually in this Story, it's not the sinful woman who is the sinner, but rather it is Simon the Pharisee who has missed the mark and has distanced himself from God. Luke emphasizes the fact that it is Simon the Pharisee who is hosting Jesus in his home, yet as the story unfolds, we realize that he has done a terrible job, a miserable job of his duties as a host. So then it begs the question, if these are what Simon has been emphasizing, what does he not emphasize? And in the opening couple verses, he just describes very matter-of-factly the way in which she pours out her gratitude to Jesus. It's as if they're expected and Altogether appropriate. There's nothing outrageous or out of the ordinary about the way that her tears bathe his feet and she cleans them with her hair. All these actions are entirely normal. But when we really think about it, I've heard many people will say, like, oh no, you know, in ancient Near East culture, the doors were always open, so people would often just wander in. And they kind of downplay how outrageous her intrusion was. She was trespassing into a party she was neither invited to and she definitely wasn't wanted because she's unclean and impure and most, like, the strongest language is she would have been seen as a contagion to them. The way in which she expresses her adoration is borderline erotic and altogether not normal. All the ways in which she she honors Jesus are entirely over the top. She's showing up the host, left, right, and center, but Luke kind of just narrates it very matter-of-factly. This is what I think is an appropriate response to God's love being poured out in human life. Our human lives. I was thinking about this, like, how, how frequently do we get accused of just being overly spiritual? Well, like, maybe we, we take things too far. There's been a few occasions I've interacted with like, other clergy in the country, diocese, and uh, we talk about some of the things we do. Maybe recently, during Lent, we were like, oh, yeah, we're actually fasting currently. And even clergy were just like, gosh, that's a bit, that's a bit religious. <laughs> Chill out a bit. <laughs> And when people ask you, like, are you taking it too seriously? It's like, no. I'm barely, like... (laughs) Exactly. But this narrative, it reminds us of what happens when God's love impacts our human situations. It's that we are moved to action. We can't just stay the same. We can't just stay doing the same thing. We actually have to be moved to it. This woman, she she reveals the appropriate reaction to encountering God's goodness. God's, the the love of the Father, encountering his forgiveness. And you see within her this painfully humble hunger expressed in her actions. Because she's not only honored Jesus the way that Simon should have, She's gone above and beyond. She's done extravagant things. You might say she is so overcome with, with gratitude. She, she walks in and sees him, and she can't even get the perfume out to start doing it. It's already her tears have started already. It's the tears that are bathing his feet. She doesn't have time to fumble and find any cloth or a towel to wipe him. And all she has is her hair. you can contrast what would have been expected to actually what she does. What would have been expected was just a bit of water to wash people's feet in a very practical way because of the dusty, dry, arid place they lived in. What she does is she gives so much more. She doesn't just like sprinkle his feet with a few tears. It says she bathed them. Maybe just a nice, polite kiss on the, on the hand, simple kiss on the cheek. When Jesus kind of turns around to Simon, he describes her actions. He says, you know what? She hasn't stopped kissing me since she came in. It wasn't just one kiss. She just didn't even stop. And it wasn't oil for his head, which is most commonly understood as like to mask their less than appealing odour because of (laughs) their hygiene situations. But rather, she takes the most valuable thing she has. And that's what she pours over him, her perfume. All of this woman's actions are extravagant. They're over the top. They're more than is required. Yet in the opening couple verses of this passage, Luke narrates them as entirely normal. And the reason I say this isn't, isn't being critical, it isn't an indictment of our oftentimes British and reserved forms of worship, which actually in the grand scheme of things, I think we're breaking that mold. But actually, this, what this story reveals is a target for us to aim for. Like we want to see more, more people like this woman in our midst. Like, I'm not saying let's let's pray for prostitutes and drug dealers. Actually, I am. But like, let's not exclusively <laughs> let's not exclusively go after that. But what we desire is people radically encountering the love of God, and when they encounter the radical love of God, they will turn from their ways. It's the blind. It's the the deaf, the lame, the sick. The poor, the dead, those who are far from God are now alive. This is God's kingdom coming in our midst. And this is just one of many stories throughout the, the gospel accounts where we are reminded that there is something uniquely special about the miracle of salvation. Someone who is far from God is brought into his family. Someone who who lived their life very much as an orphan is now known as a son and daughter of God. My personal prayer is that I may never lose the the awe and wonder of God's mercy to me, that he would call me. I think Kate, she, she reminded me as she was teaching us Danish, I hadn't planned this, but um, I never got any tattoos before I was a Christian. That's like whenever people ask me about tattoos, that's my big caveat. But my first tattoo I got is one of my ribs that essentially translates as thank you. Thank you. With all my heart, thank you. What greater gift could I receive but the gift of salvation? That's why as a church, you know what? We celebrate all the miracles happening amongst us all the the breakthroughs of provision, all the situations that save for but God, we could do nothing about. But taking cues from the New Testament, we have no greater joys. We get to join with all of heaven and celebrate one sinner turning to God, repenting of their ways and accepting Him as Lord. That's why we celebrate so much when we get to baptize people, a symbol of new life being born again by God's grace. As much as I say, you know what, let's aim for this. Let's aim for for more salvations, more people being, more conversions. Let's not be so focused on the outcome that we forget the process. Let's not lose sight of all these trees we are so focused on the forest. Let's be focused on on the individuals that make up that forest. Let's be focused on all the habits that we engage in. I can't remember who the original thing was, but again, the Saturday night, Joshua was sharing this line. He said, Prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Rather, prayer is the greater work. Prayer isn't preparation for the battle. No, prayer is the battle. By way of encouragement, guys, we we were made for this battle. This might be a nuanced example that only like one or two masochistic amongst us relate to. People hate running. Running's punishment. I love running. And the more you do it, the more you crave it. There was like one or two of you just like, yeah, he's right. The rest of us, sicko. <laughs> but that's it. These, these things are like, oh, we need to pray. No, prayer is such a gift. Prayer is the work. But we can be so focused on the benefits, so focused on the end goal that we forget the process. We're so focused on the benefits, the the promises God has for us. We're so focused on the promised land that he's leading us into that we forget the one in whom these promises come from. We forget the one in whom leads us through the wilderness towards that place. We forget the one who was with us the whole time, the one who feeds us daily. This woman, in the narrative, she recognized the one to whom her life was owed. She just wanted to be near him. She wanted to to give him all she could, all she was able to. She had this myopic tunnel vision only to adore Jesus. I was reading Psalm 84 the other day and they put it just so simply. It's just how lovely is the place where you are, God. How lovely is your dwelling place. It finishes with that famous chorus that we've sung Better is one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere and amidst all our desire to see our communities won over for Jesus let's not forget that truth as well just to be near you God that is the greatest prize so amidst this outrageous expression of gratitude and adoration amidst Jesus kind of telling off Simon. What is his primary concern with all of this? It's it's about the woman's redemption and her restoration back into a people group, back into the community. You might say, as you read it, actually, verse 48 and 50, they say exactly the same thing. And also they're, they're saying something to a woman who is expressing the gratitude for the salvation and forgiveness she's received. So why is he saying it? It's not for her sake, it's for the sake of the others, those at the table, those who were invited to Simon's party. He says to her, go in peace. And she's saying to this community, receive her in peace. Because the peace that he, he sends her out in it's not just peace in our, in our heart. Our salvation isn't just healing in my heart, between my ears. No, our, our salvation is, is spiritual, it's emotional, it's physical, but it's also social as well. I think this, it leaves us with this question. It's like, will we adopt the same worldview as Jesus? extending kinship, welcoming others into this family that we have come to know. The more of God is conditional on people. It is our willingness to, to long for God and linger in His presence. And in doing so, it moves us to real action. It moves us to, to sacrifice our time, sacrifice our pleasures, earthly foods, whether it's devoting, Chris, I don't know whether you, you said it at this service or the 9am, the like devoting days just to praying for God. It's about the fasting. It's about choosing God, not Netflix. It's opening up our homes, our dinner tables, maybe even our spare rooms, and I think most controversially, it's about opening up our diaries. Saying, will we welcome these people in, just as we welcome God in. Again, I don't know, this is like my favorite line from last weekend. Josh was saying, you know what, it's not, it's not sexy Steve, but it's basic Barry who brings breakthrough. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one that that tickled. <laughs> it's not sexy Steve, it's basic Barry who brings breakthrough. And I added in a few extra B's there. Because it's not the occasional performance of spectacular things, but rather consistency, practicing the basics. This is our battle. Church, we prepare to be basic, Barry. Go into battle every day, even when no one's looking. This is why we keep talking about God calling us to build altars of of prayer and worship. Because it's our private prayer that brings public power we recognize God for, for who He truly is. We recognize our desperate need for Him. And there, in expressing just in awe a gratitude, completely mesmerized by, by His glory, there's an atmosphere of faith that is established where His kingdom can manifest more and more. This is the more if we nurture this appropriate fear of God, we give God permission to permeate our communities more and more. And it's there, to put it quite simply, I kept coming back to one of the opening phrases of our 2033 vision. It quite simply says, a tipping point was reached. A tipping point was reached. Not by Sexy Steve, but by Basic Barry. Brothers, there is, brothers and sisters, there is so much more of God for us. Are you hungry? Are you greedy? Why don't we stand?